report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. And guys, today we are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 11. I think it's the first time I've gotten that right. Of Andor. I'm excited to talk about this one. This may be one of my favorite episodes for reasons that will surprise no one. <laughs> I was uh, going to say. <laughs> wow, I was going to say, I, I, I agree with you, but we need to get into this. It's, so, it's uh, do we have any news? Oh no, oh no no news i i do want to start by saying i know my audio quality is bad today i apologize i uh uh took a uh, uh, uh i was trying to make a star wars reference but basically airline lost my bag so i have no microphone but i have i'm still here to record so uh until next week we should be back to better audio quality but thanks for bearing with the audio quality today tom why don't you uh tell everyone what we'll be re- reviewing tonight they well, didn't just hear it already. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we, we've got it. So anyway, we are going to be reviewing Andor Episode 11, Daughter of Ferrix, directed by Benjamin Karen and written by Tony Gilroy. This episode, a, fugit- a, a fugitive once more, Cassian must make his next move before it is too late. Mm-hmm. But what a way to start the episode. You want to talk about Cassian making uh, his next move? I think where we started the episode... The one move he didn't want to do was falling. Don't you agree? Yeah, that that opening so, shot of him just hanging onto the rocks, oh, yeah. uh, just not not a good place to be. No, well, that and and you know, Melsi Melsi too. I mean, both of them hanging there, and you could just see the strain in Melsi, just like, you know, I I can't hang hang on anymore, hang anymore, I can't do it. And Cassian just giving the encouragement, it's like, you know what? They're leaving. They're leaving. And you see that rapier fly overhead. You're just like, you were even getting anxious that are they going to get caught or not? Yeah. It, the, again, this show just continues to do a phenomenal job with the TIE Fighters. And they make them scary. And it's also just cool to see the TIE Reaper as well. I, I just, you know, we don't know how long and Cassian and, and Melshi were hanging there. But clearly it was, I get the sense it was a while kind of waiting for the guards to pass. And... Mm-hmm. It's nice getting them to see a little bit more of their escape. They didn't just cut right to, you know, Cassian uh, on uh, Morlana, for example, uh, or, um, uh, you know, or Nyamo, sorry. We, we actually get to see a little bit more of the escape and some cool aliens, the Narkinians. They were cool looking, I thought. Uh, not yeah, only that, but I thought how they... Go ahead, William. Uh, I was just I, it's always good Steven. to get, like... Um... I don't know, some real alien action going on. Like, mm-hmm. we weren't with the Narcanians for very long, but they definitely felt very non-human, which I know has been, like, mm-hmm. a complaint people have had with, like, television uh, Star Wars. But I thought this one nailed it. I enjoyed seeing the quad jumper again from... Uh, why am I blanking on the name? Force Awakens. Force, yeah. Force Awakens, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, watching Cassian and Melshi, like, sneak their way towards it, or maybe not sneak in uh, Melshi's case. It was a full-on sprint, man. Oh, not the way to do it. No, and especially how they got caught. I mean, that, it, it was just so nonchalant how they were caught. It's just like, oh, yeah, here are these two guys running after a quad jumper. The, the two aliens didn't even move, and all of a sudden these webs just came out and just grabbed Fuck. them. Yeah, done. Uh, yeah. It was... there's, I suspect there are a few cases in this episode, but, like, I don't. I don't know if we know specifically what those were, but they reminded me a lot of the Stockley spray sticks, I think is what they were called and like old expanded universe. Mm, um, mm-hmm, they, yeah. they were like hand weapons that like shot out net inning, but like these interesting, very similar, which I thought was just kind of just a, like the, a neat detail. The slime on them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now did it surprise you? They let them go. I like how they did that. You know, you, you keep the whole time. At first, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're, they just caught him. They're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then. Or at as, least turn them back in. Right. And, of course, the yeah. whole joke where, like, you know, you can't really understand 3D. So Dewey's doing all the talking. And, um, you know, you, you, you think you think they're in trouble. And then, of course, they start talking about how the Empire is uh, spoiling the water on 
Narkina 5, and they end up giving him a ride. It's I was not expecting it at first, at least. Yeah, I, I, used to I, didn't, ex- or Tom. I, I, I didn't expect it either. That The one thing I loved, it was like, they was casting just like, wait, wait, we're not the ones that, we're not the ones that spoiled the water. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. Just like total denial, but... I had it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm I'm the guy sitting here. I was actually tense. I did believe they were gonna turn him in. So Steven, what did you think of it? Yeah, I mean it, it's a neat sequence. I appreciated turning on the head and I liked that it was a fairly fast, you know, we go from trying to escape to not like no no. We the last three episodes were our escape sequence. We are on to the rest of the story now, which I greatly appreciated. Um, and off they go to what to Niamos, the or Niamos, I don't remember yeah. how you pronounce it, but the vacation planet. And I, I love the shot of Cassian like sneaking into someone else's hotel room in order to find all the credits that were stashed there. And he is very lucky they were still there. Yeah. And he was and he didn't wake up the sleeping couple that was there. So mm-hmm. yeah, everything worked out in his favor. It it did. I I oh yeah, it's impressive he got in, but uh, the it's the sequence after that I think that was um, really well done. When well, we'll talk about this more in a moment, but Cassian calls home and learns that his mother Marva has died, and we get this really great, really two scenes with Cassian and scene half sort sort of with Cassian and Melshi on the beach where Cassian is. Um, you know, he he's it, it reminded me a lot of Rogue, the end of Rogue One, both from the fact that Cassian tells I think it was Zamwan, right? Tell my mother that she would be proud of me, which it harkens back to Cassian telling Jin, your father will be proud of you, um, as well as just them staring off into the into the sunset on the beach, and you know, of course, at the end of Rogue One, they're staring off into the at the coming. Uh, 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 doom, right? As the, the the explosion from the Death Star is rushing toward them on the beach, and even though they weren't gonna die in this case, it was still a very somber moment where they're talking about did anyone did anyone else make it out alive? And it, it just it felt very similar to me. I I, I really liked Absolutely. it. Yeah, it, nice it goes a long way. Like I had kind of forgotten, even while I was watching the episode, that Melshi's one of the soldiers in the background in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, it adds a lot just no- seeing their relationship and seeing like the two of them talking after Cassian finds out and he hands over the uh I'm blanking uh the guy's name, but the journal um and the the manifesto. And you can see like at this point, Cassian, like I love the shot of Diego Luna look kind of looking at it over the sea after mm-hmm. he finds out his mother's passed away. And you can feel like, oh, no, this is the moment when the evil of the Empire has hit him. Like, this is the, he he wasn't, he was sent to prison for something he, you know, didn't deserve. And the end result was that he missed, like, the last days of his mother's life. Like, it's heartbreaking. And it really, like, it shows on Katzin's face. I think this is the moment that's going to, like, motivate him into the future here. Totally. And- I think I think it's between the, um, the Nemec's manifesto and all the experiences he's because we, we we speculate would it be Nemec's manifesto that convinces us? No, it has to be more than that, right? It's the it's yes, Nemec was, was what Nemec had told him previously, but it's also the fact that he was imprisoned unjustly, and then they were extending the sentences, and they had to escape, and then he missed his mother's, you know, uh, uh, death. He wasn't there with her at the end because of this. Um, and, and she, of course, believed in the rebellion so much. And then you've got Melshi standing there saying, you know, we need to tell people what's going on. Other people have to know, you know, um, there's I think it's kind of I like how it's it's not just one thing. It's it's a multitude of uh, of things that really convince Cassian to to fight eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think with this episode, it's a multitude of things that are going to culminate in the next episode that's kicked off by his decision that he's got to get back to Ferrix to see his mother. Even though, you know, he's going to be late, you know the drive is going to be there that he's got he's got to go. Yeah. You know, and also, let's talk about Marva's death. I mean, you want to talk about, I never thought I would see a droid have the kind of emotion that they were able oh. to put into B2. My, I mean, it's heartbreaking, but the, yes, my favorite, if that's the right word, comment I saw around it was like, 
uh, BMO is what like it is what would happen if like your dog was alive after you died and could mm-hmm. talk. Like it's got yes. that kind of vibe yeah. to it, and it's yes. just awful every time it's on screen because you feel for him. Like he doesn't want to leave. He wants someone to be with him. He doesn't have to charge all day, but like. Oh, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and also just the I was really struck by the kindness of Brasso. Yeah, wanting to stay with a droid, right? He he offers to take uh, Bimo in and and you know kind of checks on B throughout the day, and even when he's like so depressed that he's still charging, right? He's like, I'll I'll stay with you tonight. It's not you don't you know droids are often treated as appliances in Star Wars and. I think in recent years there's been definitely attempts to humanize in some ways droids but um it's kind of nice to see how how kind brasso is to bimo and how much emotion mm-hmm. bimo has it's very unusual for for right. a droid. but there's something that brasso said to bimo that i find fascinating he said that bimo is very important to, about something mm-hmm. i wonder what that is I go back and forth. I part of me thinks it was just like a pep talk for Bimo because he Brasso is so kind really? to him. But if it, but but maybe maybe Bimo does it's, have something crucial to the rebellion hidden inside I mean, him. You know, Marva was you know scoping out a lot of the Imperial you know garrison on Ferrix, so mm-hmm. it's possible. Like it's. Yeah, I, I don't know is how I end up feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, it, you you do go back and forth. I I do look at it as there might be something there mm-hmm. that Bemo's got something inside of him that I don't know how it's going to be triggered. Bemo may not even know that yeah. it's there, you know. And then then that's is if it comes out, will it change? Will it change his personality, you know, or is it just going to be that little glitch where? That information comes out and he goes back to this personality. Yeah. I just I found that fascinating how how it's you're important. So we'll see yeah. what plays out from this. Also, point. I, I feel like as, yeah, as I, I also it. really appreciate it. There we see you know, working at a cafe across from Arva's home. Mm-hmm. Um and I love the revelation that there's also an Imperial officer who's now, or Imperial spy who's now there doing the exact same thing. And they're just, they're interacting and talking customer and uh, barista, maybe. I don't, I don't know what the right term would be for Cinta, but like, but they're both sitting there watching. And we are mm-hmm. so clearly, like, I, I will fully admit I was wrong. Like, I remember at the end of uh, the third episode, we would talk about like, do we come back to Ferrix? I'm like, eh, I think we're done with Ferrix. Uh, no, Ferrix is going, like, Marva's death. Ferrix will be the finale of the entire mm-hmm. season. Like yeah, oh, it, all of the characters. Yeah, it's, it's a flashpoint. It's literally bringing everyone together. Yeah. Right. It's right. It's pretty incredible. Like it's it's uh, the magic of the rebellion in some ways that any place, any person can become the flashpoint that you know ignites a spark of the rebellion. To yeah. make a more there, colorful phrase. There is one thing. If that ISB agent worked for me, I would kind of give him a heads up, dude. You are so exposed. As being an agent, yeah. take a look at the t- t- take a take a look at the girl who's doing it right. She's a barista. She's sitting here walking around working. She's not sitting there watching something with a little communicator saying, "Okay, I want the back. I want a sniper on the back to make sure the brassler <laughs> doesn't go out. I want to make sure there's eyes on everything." I mean, geez, dude, seriously, you could be a little I- bit more less obvious. Honestly, I think my favorite thing might be that uh, even his hat, it's like it's like just a normal like cloth hat or whatever, but it still looks like it's got yep. that real style to it. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's not it's, subtle yeah, yeah. whatsoever. No, yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talk, I, talk about no subtlety with the ISB, man. No, I also liked how, um, you know, he's like, oh, of course, we're going to deny. Uh, actually, sorry, no, this is a different, different officer, not core. But um, the ISB was was talking about how you know, of course we're going to deny the funeral and Deidre's like, she's setting up the trap, which is of course brilliant, you know, strategy. And she wants them to have a small contained Mm -hmm. uh, funeral procession down Rick's road so that, um, so that they can trap, hopefully Cassian. And of course we'll find out, we find out it's not just Cassian, right? There's a lot of people, Mm-hmm. making their way to to Ferrix. Yeah. Before we dive into some of those other 
of this, though, I actually want to get your thoughts on one thing. The thing that probably surprised me most, and I think I like it, but it's that Marva died off screen. We've seen her get more and more ill over the last few episodes. Um, but when the episode opens, she's already died. What did you guys think of that? I, I think I kind of liked it. Like we've we've been working up towards this, and I think it also underscores that the the importance here is not. I don't want to say it's not important that Marva died, but like her death, the sequence of her dying is not the important part mm-hmm. here. It really is the the all the people that she's going to bring together around her. Mm-hmm. Bimo, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but like the guy who was there, uh, Bix, uh, you important. Cassian is obviously important. It's the way Brasso. all these characters, Brasso, thank you, yeah. are being brought together because of this that I think is really what drives it home. Mm-hmm. And and I think it probably would have taken away the pace of this episode if we saw, let's say, her, her slow demise. It's better it was done off screen because you were able to get to the story right there. You're actually able to get more of the emotion of her being taken out in her, let's say, sarcophagus or being, you know, how how they take them out for the, the, the funeral walk or whatever, because you, it, it, it would have slowed the episode down. This kept it at a very good pace Yeah, and it's setting everything up. I agree. So let's, I'm very curious. We got some check-ins on a number of characters this week that we haven't ta- seen in a, in a bit. Let's start with Bix. Turns out she's still alive. Thank goodness. She's not looking good. Um, how would you guys feel seeing Bix again and kind of the state she's in? I, I'm glad we checked up on her because I was very curious how she was doing after, you know, the the previous episode um, or not even episode, but like the when we saw her getting tortured. But it's yeah, she's not in a great state. <laughs> like she is definitely struggling and uh, I, I feel for, her, you know, like. Haunted all, by the recordings of dying children, is it? Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting that she's haunted by that, but it seemed like they were doing almost a little different tact with her this time because it seemed like whoever was trying to interrogate her is like, look, you know, if, if you give us the information, this will all go away. If you know, if you're wrong, we know you're wrong. The guy that's in front of you right now is this basically the guy we're looking for, you know? And and it seemed like it was a little bit more on the kinder side, but you knew that uh, the under the undertone was there that we're still going to sit there and mess with you. We're still going to sit there and mm-hmm. torture you. But there's got to be a point in which, you know, you have to give up something. Part of me thinks that she's to the point to where she knows that not that's not Luthan in front of her. But part of me thinks she's going to be able to play it off as that's so. the person. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I think she's to that point. Now the question is, why does the ISB think this guy is Luthen? Well, I think that's going to be the biggest question. He's the really the only one they know about so far, right? They know they have this guy called Axis. They, they right. they've seen now Anto Krieger, and it it's actually I actually like that we got to see Anto Krieger, Krieger for the first time. That's really cool because you know he's he's been name dropped so many times in the last few episodes. Um, but I could see them believing it, you know, at least. Mostly ISB. I don't know if Deidre will fall for it. She seems like yeah, I don't think Deidre will. Yeah, she's going to keep digging. Yeah. Um, but but that's really cool to see. We also get some major progress in Cyril's storyline too. Uh, the guy finally stops. He doesn't have to mope around anymore. <laughs> he gets some info uh, but, from. But but man, does his mom. His mom laid in on him again. Oh, oh I felt gosh. so sorry for him. My the God. The of your former triumphs have been vanquished. I could sleep peacefully now. Oh, my yeah. God. Talk oh. about cruelty. Ooh. Dude, and that by far the most annoying midnight call ever. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Just trying. Like, no, I, I heard the first part. Go to the second part. No, no, no. The, the second part, not the third part. <laughs> uh, just just get feel, to the information. It's it's nice to see Sergeant Mosk back though, and it gives it gives Cyril the in- intel he needs to head to Ferrix for Marva's funeral, um, and of course he'll run into Deidre there. And 
I'm very excited to see what happens when he shows up on Ferrix and how Deidre reacts. That'll be fun. Uh, I, I I don't think he's going to last long if he gets in front of Deirdre. I, I just, but that's going to be fun to see if the two of them do somehow cross, cross each other. Oh God, that's going to be fascinating. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, Vel also, you know, she gets the update from Cinta. She goes rushing to Luthen to warn him about uh, Marva's death. And Luthen, as we'll talk about it in a few moments, he's off on another errand and, uh, we get a great scene between Clea and, and Vel where Clea's she basically uh, kind of dresses down Vel and is like don't be such a don't be don't be freaking out so much I'm dealing with many agents like you you're one of many you're not unique you're not different you just need to chill and it's such a great scene it's it's so great because you're you're listening to the conversation but how the words were used you knew they were talking about spies and agents, but everything they talked about was almost, they weren't actually saying exactly what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And that's, you want to talk about, if you're in a script writing class and you want to write something like this scene, if I was a teacher, I would say, we study this because this is how you want to get a point across without saying what your point is and make it, to where it's understandable what they're talking about. This scene between the two of them in that shop was amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. There's so many great moments in this whole thing. Another great one, of course, was Saw and the the partisans. Um, so good. Well, actually, let's before we duck get to Saw, let's talk about Mon Mothma real quick. I'm, I think we should talk about Mon Mothma and then go to go to Luthen because I think. As Stephen alluded to, that is the highlight. Of, very, very much so of the of the episode. Mon Mothma and Vel. Um, we get some more. We, we talked previously about how Lita. We were worried maybe she would, you know, marry uh, Davo Skolden's son just out of spite for her mother, or maybe not marry, but you know, give her mother heartburn or something. Um, Turns out there's a lot more going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, I also I'll say I never quite understood what Lita was doing or Lydia was doing. Like I she's like they describe it as like the chant. You get the sense it's part of like some, you know, very traditional Chandrillan custom. I could not understand what it was in the slightest though. Like it, it I don't know. I, I think if I understood between Vellum and Mothma correctly, it's an old-fashioned custom that basically on Chandrala they they got away from. But now on Coruscant, it seems like it's come back into fashion. And her daughter and her friends are getting into it. Now, it could be a rebellious thing against the parents, but it seems like the upper class there is bringing it back. And whatever it is, really is troubling to Vel and, and Mon Mothma. And it, it, it's a thing to where it's like, how is that going to play forward? Because that's the other thing I'm thinking about is it, because it's old fashioned, does that mean if Mon does agree to the other guy bringing his son to betroth the daughter, because it's old fashioned, would the daughter go along with it? Because it's what she and her friends were studying. I, I, I yeah, mean, I, yeah, it's, it, it's go ahead. No, I, I, I agree with both of you. It, it was unclear what was happening. Um, I got the sense that it was maybe a, a, a prayer of some sort um, and that it's kind of tied to the old Chandrillan religion, I think, where you marry younger. And I, th- I think they're related. That's the sense I got. It was not clear at all. And that because she's so into this and she sought out the elder by herself and that sort of thing, she would want to marry young and Davos Golden's son would be a good candidate basically. Um, but yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot uh, of, of detail there. All you could really tell was that Mon Mothma and of course Vel were very worried about whatever it was. We don't really know why or except that she's just really into something that is kind of, considered old-fashioned and out of date 
That may be something to explore, I would think, in the second season, if it's that important. I I think it may be related to her marrying Davos' son. Like, if it is related to this apparent transition of, like, marrying fairly young, because Mon Mothma's clearly still struggling with that. She describes Mm -hmm. what's going on with Val, the, the struggle she's seeing. And I wonder if part of the struggle with this is her daughter is doing things that would make it even easier for her to, you know, uh, set up this arrangement and solve her problems. And her daughter seems to be supportive of it um, based on where she is right now. But Mon Mothma clearly doesn't approve of where her daughter is kind of her head is at and how she's been acting. So I, I wonder if there's a little bit of like, is Mon Mothma doing this because she needs the money? Is she doing it because she's trying to support her daughter? Is she doing it because she, you know, right. uh, like there's this, she's clearly facing a lot of crossroads. And I think we'll find out in the next episode just we'll see Mon Mothma compete. Like she will effectively sacrifice her daughter to Davo in order to make the rebellion possible. Like she will cut her ties and accept that she's intentionally hurting people she loves and that, you know, perhaps her daughter will not forgive her in the future as a result of it. I, I think you're I think you're spot on, Steven. I think that what'll be interesting to see is does does Lita run to Davos' son because of this these old fashioned ways and then is happy and like there is not as much conflict with her mother but her mother has the internal conflict huh. or will it be something where you know they're they kind of end up butting heads uh in in some way i don't know I, my take like just from the way mon mothma has acted with her daughter thus far my take is she thinks her daughter will do it and then regret it later and I then agree, blame her mother for yeah. uh, enabling it yeah, yeah even I though it was her choice too. to begin with but i agree I agree. I, I think that's where we're headed. And uh, yeah, she's not, not in a great place right now, you know? No, it, mm-hmm. and she talks about how, you know, she... It, the, the scene with her and, and Vel later talking about the financial trouble she's in and the fact that, you know, she's going to be investigated. They're going to find out about her. So it's less about even funding the rebellion and more about if she doesn't do something, she herself is probably going to go to get to jail. And be thro- and you know maybe the rebellion exposed as well, um, and that's why she's she's stuck. And the oh my gosh, Genevieve O'Reilly did an amazing job with you could just see the pain and the heartbreak on her mm-hmm. face at the end of that scene and how she's barely holding it together. She's always been Mon Mothma has always been a very stoic character, and so seeing that on her and the the, the acting there is just so well done. Yeah, she's done. Continues to do a phenomenal job here. Yeah, and yeah. even though that scene Everybody. has nothing new necessarily, it's all stuff we know before. At least the this after the part with her daughter, right, where they they go in the other room and they talk about the financial difficulties. It's mostly a recap for all the viewers. It's still it the acting is so good that I don't really care that there's not a lot new to it. So. Let's talk about Luthen's trip. <laughs> Steven, I know this was one of your favorite sequences. In I just, whole... every every part of it. So Luthen is visiting Saw and the Partisans in order to uh, ensure that Saw doesn't change his mind about helping Anto Krieger. So last time Luthen was here, he was trying to get Saw to sign up and Saw wasn't interested. Luthen arrives... Well, and actually, before we get there, uh, before he even sees Saw, he's he's uh, held up by tubes. Like, I don't I don't I actually don't remember his name, but one of (laughs) two tubes. Okay, yeah, Yeah, it was two tubes. Um, And, you know, there's this uh, interesting sequence where he's attempts to take Luthen's staff um, or we uh, maybe his staff like it. It's a a long cylindrical object. Mm -hmm. And the camera definitely lingers on it. And it, what do you guys think it is? Like, is it just his walking stick in, you know, a nice little retractable case? Or do you think they're hinting at something more? Hmm. Well, wait a minute. Didn't we, didn't we see that in the first episode? We, yeah, because, we've seen it before. Yeah, we've seen right. it. It's, they lingered on it and they made mm-hmm. a bigger deal out of it than they did in the first episode, though, is the thing. Is the... So do you think, do you think that it not only can, I think in the first episode kind of, extend itself out and act like a cane or do you think there's something else with it i 
I wonder if there is something else to it. They, if it were just the cane, I, I don't know what the purpose of that sequence was. Because it's Luthen stopped. They have a discussion about you know Saw's in a mood. Oh, Saw's always in a mood. Like it could just right. maybe it just exists for to enable that conversation. Mm-hmm. But the camera shot lingering on it. it but it's but here's it's interesting. But I don't think he'd expose himself as as what we're thinking he could be. He doesn't appear to be that way. Even though, even though you go back to last episode where he's saying he sacrificed a lot. Okay. Wow. I think Steven, you're just suggesting maybe it's like a, some sort of cool weapon or something. Is that that what you're saying? Could be a lightsaber potentially. Like that's what I'm trying not to say. I don't think he's a Jedi. I I think I don't for this. I, I, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, the only thing that could tip it off if he is is we'll get to it in the next part when you see him in his ship with the red stuff coming out the hey, side hey, of his we'll ship. Get, we'll oh, get yeah, that. Yeah, but, not... but, 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 but yeah, no, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That that part is a stretch. Chad, I do not okay. have, so, have the monopoly on I, lasers, but let's, I know, let's talk but, about Saw first. Okay, no, I, <laughs> get, we get but, like I, I said, we'll, we'll get to that. I said we'll get to that later, but let's talk about Saw. I agree. I have a because, we'll get to just the last thing I'll say is I I don't know that I want him to be a Jedi. I do think I there's something very interesting about his speech in the previous episode. Yes, when he talks about giving up peace and mm. you know all these different things, mm. it would be interesting. Like, it, it gives that speech a lot more meaning if he is or was formerly a Jedi and gave up all of these things because he realized that Jedi could not fight the way the rebellion needed him to. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, there. No, I, and that part I agree. There could be an interesting layer there, is all. Yeah. But then he gets the saw, and saw, of course, has come around, and he is ready to help Anto Krieger attack the Empire. And he was running around like a madman, trying to get everybody on, everybody ready to go. Well, he completely flipped his opinion from yes. two weeks ago. Yeah. I guess he just really wanted those resources, but. Well, because I think he also said that he figured out a way that it, that he could help Anto Krieger and make it work. Right. Yep. And it is just fascinating to see Luthen work on talking him down. Saw is paranoid. Like, this is very much the Saw of Rogue One that is, mm-hmm. like, slightly insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciated Luthen's moment where he convinces Tutube. He, like, throws shade at Tutubes, knowing Tutubes <laughs> will step forward to defend himself. <laughs> and then uses that to arm himself as, like, uh, just in case. No, this is we're not doing this. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And Right. You know, because he he really has to use a, a threat really to get Saw uh, to to stop panicking because he's because he I mean I was surprised he even told Saw the truth because there's a lot of people in that cave uh, if there's any spies in there it wasn't just like a private conversation between him and Saw mm-hmm. um, he's basically telling him look we know each other but I'm sacrificing a a, a mutual a friend a mutual acquaintance right a mutual ally uh, for this spy. It, it, he's revealing a lot here, but I think he he didn't want Saw to die. And but I, I... Okay, but but when I watched that scene, did he did he really reveal it or did it reveal oh. because... But no, no, hang on, hang on. Because Saw Guerrero, when you finally got him calmed down, started piecing everything together. I mean, the second he revealed the, that the ISB knows the plot... It's gonna right. like the spy a spy yeah. is, is really the only logical conclusion there. Well, yeah. Or but, some other, but, you know, intel into the ISB. True. But I just I I loved how, and this was another one to where if you wanna you wanna look at writing and acting of a scene, how all this played out because the banter back and forth of, you know, you've got Luthan saying one thing and you've got Saw saying the other, but then you saw Saw all of a sudden back and forth thinking about that and putting the pieces together. And to a little bit of an extent, I saw it as Luthen was admitting, but at the same time, not fully admitting. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm only giving you a little bit here just, just to get you on my side, but I'm not telling you everything, you know? And then you've got Sagar on the other side going, wait a minute, you do have a contact here because if this were to happen, then Luthen's like, yes, if it gets out, then I've lost somebody that I've, sat here and worked on for so many years and then I've lost that and it tips off the empire and then we've all lost. 
because I've got this person placed in the perfect spot. Yeah. That whole banter back and forth was just amazing to watch. Absolutely. I really was. Yeah. And he let Saw make the choice. He let Saw decide whether to to sacrifice Krieger and protect the source or to go rescue Krieger and his 30 men. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I do not think he would have left it up to saw in that way. Like if saw, had he gone let, he let saw way, I think he would have <laughs> done something. Yeah. Probably. But I guess like, what is he going to do? Kill saw. And at that point it's the same. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who, I guess we don't know, but the, the quote you know, he's like, well, what do we call us for the greater good? Call it what you will. Let, let's call it war is such a good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a good. Quote. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Just, a, that, just a great way to end that scene. And that course leads us to the best part of the episode by far. Steven. Maybe best part of the entire show, to be honest. <laughs> like, really? There were so many best parts, but okay, Stephen, why don't you bring us so, into this section? So Luthen, he's talking to the to the woman in his shop, you know, they're talking about what to do next, and an imperial cruiser rolls up on a routine patrol. Although they do say they're looking for partisans, which is interesting because we know Saw's obviously not very far away. And Luthen is uh, pulled over by the cops. Effectively, um, first of all, amazing ship design. Um, it's they call it the Cantwell class arrestor cruiser, which just you know, two big or three big dishes. Um, I think it was was that from Solo or was it meant was. to be in Solo it was originally yes, designed for yes, Solo. It was. it was pretty much cut from the final film. You can see it in a brief shot. I think on like on a camera, a computer screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a yeah. Solo ship. It's really cool to see. Just great ship design. Totally approved. And we just get this amazing sequence where uh, you know immediately as soon as they pull up, Luthen is in uh, the side tracking and you know planning mode. He asks his AI, you know, we need a we need a transponder from Alderaan, uh, and he stalls the you know Imperial officer by you know just oh sorry you know I'm a one man show give me a sec uh, you know while he gets that Classic and then they Star put Wars. the tractor beam on him yeah <laughs> and at that point he knows he's fighting out so he starts preparing countermeasures and goes through a great like back and forth like oh sorry I've got the engines got an engine issue here uh, you know and they're going back and forth and it culminates in probably one of my favorite sequences that we've seen in Star Wars yet, where he activates the countermeasure and deploys like a, a chaff cloud, which the tractor beam grabs and takes it straight into the the dish, the tractor beam array. And just watching all that debris hit it and the the visual design, just A plus. A mm-hmm. plus all the way through. Mm-hmm. See, I, I love the part where you had the Imperial and it's just like when the code came through, from the Aldrinian code that basically it passed and the officer behind him just goes, well, should we let him go? And the main officer goes, no, we'll use this as practice. <laughs> they, they do not know what they have, who they have yeah. there, and they're in their grip right now. Yep. And yeah, oh, you, and you are, just, you're right, Steven. It's just so good. It, it, this and, whole sequence almost reminds me of like a, like a classic, uh, like the Pierce Brosnan era, James Bond movies where like, there's just, gadgets you know in the yep. vehicle it's so good Luthen is space james bond <laughs> yes i i don't think this is maybe intentional just based on like what we've heard from the showrunners but this is also a pretty decent harken back to the original thrawn trilogy where luke escapes a tractor beam in a, a similar ish way mm-hmm. um he drops a proton torpedo without without trail like into the proton or into the mm-hmm. tractor beam and it blows up the emitter and and sends off and there's a great discussion with Thrawn and the tractor beam officer talking about how you would avoid this technique in the future, what you need to do, and so on. But just seeing it play out in live action is just chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. It's so and good. it's, it's not those... even over yet. Like, at that oh. point, Luthen unveils all the tricks. Like, he's got hidden turrets in the ship. He's got, you know, I I don't even know what to describe the, like, cutting lasers off the side. Like mm-hmm. Those were awesome. He's just, like, yeah, those spinning were really cool. and, like, slicing through the ties. Oh, so good very iron man i would say like it, it definitely <laughs> had that kind of vibe to it and i just i love that it happens so quick like i i went back and watched this entire sequence again he's got the engine issue he releases the chaff and destroys the tractor beam immediately flips around activates the turret shoots down two of the four or sorry there's five tie fighters there's four tie fighters and one tie boarding shuttle 
which I believe also makes its first appearance in, um, uh, I think it was in Rogue One was where it first oh, shows. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. But it's not actually a TIE bomber. I only knew this because I, I saw a YouTube video on it, but like it does, it's lacking the TIE bomber shoots and it matches up with the prepare the boarding craft and boarding crew mm-hmm. uh, from the Imperial officer. Takes out the bomber, takes out two TIE fighters, buzzes the bridge, uh, uses his lightsaber, whatever you like, lasers to take out two more TIE fighters, jumps to light speed. And the shot of the Imperial officer just watching his ship like slowly break <laughs> yeah. apart, or at least the tractor beam dish, and he's just staring there as he jumps off, like, what just happened? It's yeah. Gold. Yeah. Just, just... <sighs> so, like, l- I, I honestly watched this and I watched it again. I was just, this is what I wanted like the Rogue Squadron movie to be, which yeah. now cans or not can, but like on hold. So who knows if we'll ever see it. But like, they just, because Tony Gilroy is involved in Rogue One as well, right? Yep. Oh, like, yeah. I, he, he, he co wrote it or he wrote it. Okay. That's what, yeah. I thought so, but I know they had so many issues with revolving doors, regardless. Rogue One and now Andor have both shown to be like, this is what modern like Star Wars space combat needs to look like. No shaky cam. You get long, like beautiful shots. You get to admire what the ships are doing, how they're maneuvering. A plus. Just like, I don't care about the rest of the episode. Like this was a five minute episode and it's 10 out of 10. <laughs> like, this just Ugh. everything I want to see out of a Star Wars show was like this little bit. And I wish we could get more of it. I know we can't because I'm sure it was expensive to do, but amazing job. So good. It's, it's amazing. I, I agree. It was just an amazing sequence. I hope we get more. I mean, there's, we've got, we've got the season finale. It's next week. We only have one episode left. I am very curious to see how they end up bringing everything together. I We, we, we know that a lot of, the different plot threads are finally starting to coalesce on Ferrix. We've got, you know, Cassian and Luthen and Cyril and Vel and Cinta and Daedra, presumably all heading to Ferrix um, and others as well. You know, we, we've always got the Mon Mothma storyline too. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to see how they wrap it all up or will they? wrap it all up or will they give us a, a big cliffhanger you know i don't know that, what, what do that, you guys think will happen a, next week i think that's a good question because we do know that when it comes to season two that there's going to be time jumps but that doesn't exclude them doing a cliffhanger and the first three episodes or two episodes of the next season wrap up this part of the arc because they could hold you over and then start that jump going to rogue one so I'm looking forward to this. I cannot wait to see all these storylines get to this end and then what's going to happen. I can't I can't wait. Stephen, what are your thoughts? So here's my prediction for the end of season one of Andor. There's going to be a lot of happening, you know, on Ferrix. Lots of folks trying to get, find and capture or kill Cassian. We know Cinta's going to be there. Wouldn't be surprised if Vel shows up as well. Cyril will be there. Deidre will probably be there. They're all looking for Cassian. And I think it's gonna they're gonna leave it ambiguous. Like someone will capture or knock out Cassian and he's gonna wake up in Imperial holding cell and they we're gonna get a another torture sequence of them torturing Cassian to try and find out who um I'm blanking on the name, but like who this person is that is orchestrating everything. And Cassian's gonna refuse to give them up. And the final reveal will be like Luthen walking through the door and we'll find out it wasn't the Empire that had Cassian, it was Luthen. And when Cassian refused to give him up, Luthen's gonna be like, "Great, welcome to the rebellion." And that's the end of the first season. Ooh, that's a cool theory. It's that, highly that, specific, but I, I that would love work. It. <laughs> it's incredibly specific, but uh, I, I think we're gonna build off of you know, Luthen is worried about loose ends here. Synth, that's yeah. what Synth is there for. That's what Vel's there for. And we mm-hmm. know Cassian now had a change of heart, and so I think the finale will be everyone else, like Luthen realizing and bringing Cassian in more fully inside. Like he'll become another operative, and then season two will become you know, Cassian rebel agent or, you know, something along those yeah. lines. I do think, it, I, I think you're right. I think it ends, regardless of how it goes down, I think it ends with Cassian making the decision to officially join the rebellion. And then next season is the, the actual, like, you know, spy thriller. When you think of it, it's not just like the origin story, but it's the, he's going to go on more missions and be a spy and not, more more like the rogue one you know movie you wanted 
uh, but of course more on the ground and, and it's a spy instead of you know in the air yeah yeah um, yeah i you know what i'm gonna agree with steven i think it is gonna end up at the end of this episode, Luthen's got to look at Cassian Andor and recruit him into the rebellion at the end of this. If not, then that's going to be the cliffhanger going into next season. But you know Cassian's going to escape. It's the how he's going to escape all this, how he gets recruited into the rebellion. And then on top of that, how's Mon Mothma going to get out of her mess that she's in? Unless they set that up as the cliffhanger going into next season. I feel like so, Mothma storyline will have to continue in next season. I, it's it's going to have so to. so much they, they have to address and, and yeah. kind of bring together this week. Yeah, they could they could end it to where she's able to get that 400,000 credits or whatever that would keep her out of the Imperial Eye. Right. But then again, what's going to happen with the daughter? Is that going to be part of the bargain? And is that going to be the thing played out next season? We don't know. But Stephen, I like your idea of how Cassian gets recruited into the rebellion. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick that's with a, Stephen on that one. That's a cool theory. And yeah, if it's that's not a great the case, theory. Stephen, then well, they just need to hire you as a writer. <laughs> I mean, I have zero experience uh, beyond this podcast, but sure, why not? Yeah, why Here's not? Here's the deal: we're gonna it's all X wings all the time. Um, we can forget everybody else, and then we're good, right? That's writing one on one. Steven wrote this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. so are we are we good for ratings? I think so, Tom. Where would you uh? Where, you know what? Where would you rate this episode? I, we all know what I, Steven's gonna give it, so you know. Well, I I I'm gonna flat out do it. I'm giving this 10 out of 10. I this was an outstanding episode going into next basically the next episode dropping this week. I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see how they're going to wrap it up. Um they definitely laid out every story thread that's going into next week. So which one of those, I mean not next week and into this next episode, which one of those are going to be totally tied up, which you know Cassian's has got to be tied up. Are they going to leave Mon Mothma hanging going into next season? We will see. But I've got to get this episode a 10 out of 10. Steven, I agree with you. Luthen's Escape, I could watch that over and over and over again and still be amazed and not get bored. So my 10 Womp Rats, um, I am just going to let them be pets for BMO to kind of um, keep him company since he's got a lot of grief and he's going to be going through a lot of grief. And they're basically just there as comfort animals for him. So that's what I'm doing with my 10 Womp Rats. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go next. Um, you know, I thought this was a phenomenal episode. Again, I, I still like last week's better, so I can't quite give this a 10. Uh, but there were some amazing sequences in this episode. I'm, uh, I can't wait to see how they wrap it all up well, as much as possible next week. And so I'm going to give it nine Womp Rats out of 10 and my nine womp rats oh they uh they're they're just helping sal guerrera on uh uh on segramilo just you know chilling with saw and uh he, he was originally going to use them in to his plan to assist anto krieger but now that that's off the table they're just they're just bored twiddling their thumbs waiting for the season finale yeah, I mean, so realistically, this would be, I think, like a 9, 9.5, somewhere in there. Um, an incredibly solid episode all around. I have to give it a 10, though. Like, it, they literally just wrote, like, a 10-minute sequence <laughs> at the end that, like, like, if the rest of the episode was bad, I, I wouldn't be able to give it a 10. But, like, the, the rest of the episode was good, and having the, sequ the sequence at the end with Luthen just, it, it gives it, makes it an instant 10 for me. Like, I just... Sorry, if they want to, if they, if their number one goal is to like get a ten Womprat rating from me, like they just need to do stuff like this constantly. I will gladly sell the rest of my reviews for the end of time <laughs> until if they like give me more sequences like this. It won't happen, but it just, it's one of the things I love about Star Wars. So. And to be fair, it's not like it's a you know a five episode with a you know brief ten sequence. Exactly. It's yeah. A like nine it, nine point five right. anyway. Re right. Realistically, it's edge. probably a nine somewhere in there. Like, um, <laughs> I just I have to give it a ten because of that sequence. So, 
Um, that's that's unusual for me, but I'm do it anyway. Uh, my ten womp rats, they're just sitting on the bridge with the imperial officer, and you know, like cartoon style, you get like someone drops <laughs> their draw, and then the camera pans, and like ten more people drop their jaw. Like that that's the womp rats. <laughs> they're just there to add dramatic effect and make it oh clear that this is amazing. I love it. Uh, so wow. Good. So good. Well, I don't know about you guys. I am eagerly anticipating the season finale, which I know we keep saying next week because it's the next episode, but it's actually dropping in just two days. Um, so yeah, I, I, I for one cannot wait to, to watch it and review it. Of course, we have Thanksgiving here in the U.S. this week. Uh, so many of us are traveling or spend time with family. But uh, we hope you all have a wonderful holiday if you're in the U.S., a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And we'll be back with our review of the season finale of Andor next week, uh, just a little over a week from now once we get back in town. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening as always. And bearing with my less than ideal microphone situation and uh we'll it's be been fine and we'll be back next week with our review of Andor episode 12 thank you for listening to the ion cannon podcast your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far far away for over a decade ion cannon has covered every corner of the saga from the films and animated series like the clone wars and rebels to books comics games and more if you like what you hear please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.